4: Back on VEASAN's primetime action. Gil Alexander, Adam Candy in for Matt Brown tonight. Daniel Alvari and Kelly Bidlin live from the South Point Hotel Casino here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Kelly, two baseball games in action, two football games. What you got? That's
5: right. Uh, first with the other game going on that's in the bottom of the eighth inning in Atlanta, Reds and Braves. Reds all over the Braves, 11-2 to two in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, over in the Field of Dreams game, it is one to nothing still. White Sox. As we are headed to the bottom of the third? No, top of the third. Headed top to the, of the top third. of the third. Uh, the White Sox minus 260 live. Yankees plus 210 and 8.5 and is your live total. Um, Redskins and Patriots, that is still 0 0, six minutes remaining in the first quarter in that game. Live numbers, though, up uh, Patriots minus 2.5 and 34.5 and is your live total. The Eagles still with that 3 nothing lead over the Steelers. Eagles a 2.5-point live favorite and 32.5 live total.
4: Did the Patriots just go for it on fourth down? Checking right there because I thought they had a fourth and two, and now I see they're matriculating the ball down the field. So, uh,
6: uh matriculating is back.
4: Oh no, no, I'm sorry.
6: Matriculation season is back. Incorrect. Matriculation <laughs> I'm sorry. season.
7: I'm sorry. That, from, that's from now on. It's, it's like, not the NFL is back. It's matriculation season. That's such
5: like a good football. point
6: by Danielle. We
5: didn't use that word for seven straight months on right? the show, or I was whatever. Like, it uh, Must be football's back.
7: Every once in a
4: while, I'll get a t- I'll get a tweet about that. People, you're not using matriculate correctly. <laughs> it is a uh, it is a tribute to uh, NFL Films uh, footage of Super Bowl four. And the Kansas City Chiefs head coach Hank Stram, strangely yelling happily at his team to keep matriculating the ball down the field. <laughs> to this day, no one knows what the heck he was talking about. You, but we keep bringing. See it that that one's
5: fine, Danielle.
4: The words yeah. that are forever banned from
5: this show are elevation and altitude. Yes. because that that conversation could not be brought up again.
4: You no, know, that was a heated heated debate on the show. <laughs> we can't have that. Um, so uh, apparently, uh, Washington did miss a field goal. Uh, They tried to get on the board, but uh, Dustin Hopkins was uh, was errant from 40 yards. And uh, so that was the fourth down I saw up there. And then the Patriots took over. So the Patriots now in Washington territory. And that is oh down at the two yard line. So the Patriots knocking at the door. Oh, but there's a flag. Oh, the laundry. And that's a hold. Adam, got to get used to that as well.
7: The old hold. Not used to the old hold, not used to the laundry, and I'm hoping not to have to get used to the taunting calls that we've heard so much about. Jonu Smith, by the way, newly acquired
4: from uh, last with the uh, Titans, of course. He is the guilty party on the hold for the Patriots, as uh, you know, we're going to see a lot of Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith this year behind either Cam Newton or Mac Jones, and we're still waiting for Mac Jones to get into the game, get a look at him for the first time for the New England Patriots. Um once again, the the bets that we have tonight. I am on Jessica Pegula in, uh, in 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 uh, Montreal in the tournament there, the Rogers Open. Jessica Pegula going up against Danielle Collins. I got Pegula at minus one forty three. I think she's a little higher than that now. I would play her up to minus one fifty. Collins has won twelve consecutive matches. Uh, she has won two consecutive tournaments. She has been unbelievable, but uh, there's a lot of wear and tear on her body. She had to take a bit of an injury break yesterday. That's always questionable. You don't know if it's an injury break. You don't know if it's someone buying time on a tennis court. Pagula with the best hard court numbers, 6-month and 12-month uh, of the field in this particular tournament. So I am on Pagula in that one. And then, Adam, later you won our first five bet
7: uh first five under in the Toronto and Los Angeles Angels game largely based on that pitching matchup that we have Barrios and Otani. Uh, Jose Barrios has allowed one and run in 13 innings since coming over from Minnesota to Toronto and Shohei Otani since May. Getting uh, his legs under him in 11 of 13 starts is allowed to earn runs or fewer. The number is four and a half. Had to pay minus 20 to get it. And essentially uh, counting on these two starting pitchers to just do what they have done all year long. Okay, and you're also on the Eagles in this preseason game. And, Danielle, you had a couple uh, WNBA bets for those who missed it.
6: Yeah, Uh, so Commissioner's Cup going on tonight, Storm and Sun. I have the over 152.5, and and then I also have the Storm on the money line, plus 105.
4: Plus 105. Cam Sun are
6: actually favored, uh, minus 1.5 tonight.
4: Cam Newton with a poor little dump-off pass, and the uh, Patriots will attempt a field goal uh, with 316 left in the first quarter of this one. Uh, they try to get on the board to take a three to nothing lead over Washington. and uh, that will be Quinn norden who uh, who will take a crack at this. Quinn Norden out of Michigan. We'll take a crack at this uh, to see if the Patriots can go up. In case you've got a bet on this particular ball game, uh, it is Gil Alexander, Adam Candy in for Matt Brown tonight. It's almost like your name is Adam Candy in for Matt Brown. I shouldn't say it that way. I apologize. <laughs> Adam Candy, who happens to be in for Matt Brown tonight, Daniel Alvari, Kelly Binland. Uh, it's prime primetime action. By the way, the thirty-five uh, yard field goal attempt, the snap. The hold, the kick—it's good. Three to nothing, Patriots. With three twelve left in the first quarter of that one, as preseason football begins in earnest, week one of it tonight. Uh, let's talk some baseball—that, of course, in full swing. Unlike uh, the NFL, uh, we bring him in from the Joe Sheehan new, uh, baseball newsletter, which uh, he will be able to tell you where you can find at Joe underscore Sheehan is one of the spots where you can find him and find that newsletter on Twitter. All the details. It's Joe Sheehan. Everybody, how you doing? Good, fellas. What's going on? How you doing, Joe? Uh, you know, baseball justifiably gets uh, criticism for a lot of things. Certainly Rob Manfred does at the top for for many a decision. But this Field of Dreams game is pretty cool, huh?
8: Yeah, same at guys like us, right? We saw the movie. Maybe we saw it with our dads and got relationships with their dads. I don't know if it necessarily brings a new group of people into the game, but it's certainly a fun event. They've certainly put a ton into this. I mean, the ballpark look, park looks great. They've gotten Fox heavily involved. The uniforms look fantastic. It's visually wonderful. And like I say, you know, it's, it, it's an event for people who are kind of our age as opposed to necessarily the next generation of baseball fans.
4: Yeah, Rob Manfred says he's going to do it year after year, at least next year again in Iowa well joe
7: uh, we're talking about rob manfred uh, committing to doing this game in the future today we've got lance lynn going against andrew heaney lance lynn has moved up to become the betting favorite joe uh for the al cy young so much that he's i believe out to like minus 170 at this point uh it kind of feels like we're in for another one of those old school stats versus sabermetrician arguments here i'm one of someone 95 my apologies Garrett Cole's numbers appear to be better um, in a lot of ways. However, Lance Lynn has the lower ERA by a run. Uh, who do you think should be the betting favorite for Cy Young?
8: I still have Cole guys, but I try not to look too carefully until we get to closer to the end of the season. Because when, when you have a situation like this, where two pitchers are pretty close together, and as you know, the differentiation between old school and new school staff, uh, you really want to see the rest of the season play out. These guys both have, You know, nine, 10 starts remaining, 50, 55 innings. You know, let's see where it goes from here. I will say, though, that, I mean, Lynn, leading the league in ERA is, it's not like we're talking about wins here. We were talking, ERA is a legitimate measurement that, you know, stat heads will look to. You look at ERA Plus, which basically adjusts ERA for ballpark and run environment. Lynn leads the league in that as well. So it's not like Bartolo Colon back in 2005. Who was like the sixth best pitcher in the league, but he led the league in wins, and he stole the Cy Young from uh, from uh, Johan Santana. It's a little closer than that.
4: Joe, uh, National League Cy Young. uh, We've we've thrown this around a few times, and we're just curious. Uh, Jacob Degrom, slated to come back in the very vague quote-unquote, September. We don't know if that's September 1st. We don't know if that's late September. But let's say it's early September. And let's say he gets four or five more starts under his belt. And let's say he's as Jacob Gromish as he ever was, meaning just over-the-top outstanding. Does he deserve to get the Cy Young if that happens?
8: I would have a hard time voting for him. I mean, you're talking about DeGrom ending up at maybe 120 innings if he pitches throughout September. The, the, the lowest number of innings that a starter's ever had in a full season is uh, Blake Snell, at about 180 a few years ago. Strike seasons, relievers, you've had guys get it with lower numbers. But for Zach Wheeler, just to pick the guy who I'd probably vote for right now, if he ends up around 200 innings and you're talking about DeGrom at 120, I would have a very hard time voting for DeGrom. And it doesn't take anything away from what DeGrom has done when he's been on the mound. But you have to factor in that Wheeler took the ball 33 times and DeGrom took it intermittently, you know, 20.
7: Let's talk about the National League East then, Joe, since we're there. Uh, The Philadelphia Phillies have made their move. This thing is, in theory, uh, open right now. Is this a matter of the Mets just needing to get healthy or do you think there's more at play here?
8: Yeah, I think the big variance, the the, the the big question mark in this division is how much are the Mets going to get in September from Jacob deGrom? How much are they going to get from Noah Syndergaard, who might come back and pitch out of the bullpen? What is Carlos Carrasco, who had the rain short and the other day, what's he going to give them over the course of the year? Um, I, I think those unknowns with the Mets, with the injuries, when does Lindor come back and how does he fit into the team with Baez there now? Um, there's just more question marks with this Mets team than we normally have with a team with seven weeks to play. Um, at the start of the year, I like the Braves uh, of course that was when they had Ronald Acuna Jr. and when we expected Mike Soroka to be back you know they've held on in this division there'll be a, a game behind the Phillies after this loss uh, in, uh, against the Reds today but to me I look at that depth one through 26 and I like their team more than I like the rosters of the Phillies who still have bullpen issues despite today's performance and the Mets who just saw these question marks so for me I look at the, the Braves as the better team, and also, guys, if you look at it, they have an incredibly soft schedule coming in. Um, I, I think they play the Little Sisters of the Poor. They're going to play the Dyersville Little League <laughs> All-Stars. They, they have an incredibly soft schedule. That's going to be a big factor.
4: National League West, Joe, the Giants, the San Francisco Giants, almost three-quarters of the way through the season, the best record in baseball. And it's not getting shorter, it's getting wider between them and the Dodgers. Four and a half games now with just over a quarter of the season left. And yet, in the National League West, you can still, in some spots, get the Giants at very short plus money. The Dodgers have never been lower to win the National League West. Is there a bet to be made there on either the Giants or Dodgers with this much runway left in your opinion?
8: I'd probably stubbornly still try to get money on the Dodgers at this point. You mentioned it being right right around even money. That sounds right to me. It sounds like value to me. And the Dodgers haven't been healthy all year. I mean, literally, they've had their start. their opening day lineup five, five times in 100-odd games. We haven't seen them fully healthy since trading for Trey Turner. I feel like they're going to eventually get all these guys on the field together and become the killing machine we expected them to be. That's even with the likelihood that Trevor Bauer is out for the year. We'll see how this all turns out, but I don't expect them to pitch for them again. But that's why they went out and got Max Scherzer. So, yeah, if I can get the Dodgers now at minus 110 at you know plus 100 at even money, I'd definitely take that. And something against the Giants, I just I still worry about you know how much we have seen the Red Sox guys over the last couple of weeks. Their pitching has really fallen apart. And at the start of the year, I thought the Giants would have a similar pattern. You now they've gotten a lot of good work out of Alex Wood and Anthony DiSclafani, guys who both had performance questions and volume questions. And I think the volume questions are really the ones I have about the Giants. Can they keep this rotation on the field and effective over the last seven weeks?
4: Minus 140, by the way, to be exact, on the Dodgers. Is that low enough for you? Uh,
8: no, actually. At that point, I'm, I'm probably just letting it go. It's a pass for me. I, it's got to be closer to even money. Four and a half games over, what is it, 50 games left? That's a lot. That's a that's a decent-sized gap, even with the head-to-head games. And So, yeah, it's got to be closer to even money for me to make that bet.
7: All right, maybe a week from now. Joe, we talked quite a bit last night uh, about the American League wildcard race as the Red Sox, as you mentioned, have come back to the pack. The A's have certainly gotten hot, and the Yankees and Blue Jays have had surges probably for different reasons. Uh, Who do you think ultimately claims those two spots?
8: I just had to answer this. Yeah, I was right about this this last week about who these among these four teams who would make, and I'm I'm going now with the A's and the Yankees. And I want to be clear, that's not a knock on the Jays. I mean, if you tell me the Jays end up coming out of this, I'm not going to be terribly surprised. But I look at that A's run prevention, the defense, the pitching staff. That's probably the best individual unit of any of these teams. A little bit better than the Jays' offense. Now, I look at that the Yankees filling the holes, not just necessarily the the power that Gallo and Rizzo bring. But the on-base percentage, those guys get on base a lot, really fills a big hole that the Yankees have had. So I think the offense will be better. You know, I think they get cold coming off the COVID IL this weekend. That's going to help help them as well. Uh, I, just, I I think they're going to edge out the Jays. I think the more interesting question is, are the A's going to continue to chase down the Astros? They're down to a game and a half at this point. Yeah, the Astros are another team, like the Dodgers, where we keep waiting for them to kick it into gear and to win 11 out of 12. Mm-hmm. And with all of their injuries, they haven't done it either.
4: Athletics with the uh, perhaps the hardest schedule of the remain, not perhaps based on opponent win percentage, the hardest remaining schedule of all contending American League teams, the Astros with the easiest of the bunch that may play into that as well. I, I want to ask you one thing, Joe, because uh, we're talking about all the playoff implications and even with more than a quarter of the year out uh, from the end, it's like super exciting to talk about all this stuff. It gets you charged up. The other side of baseball is something that I talked about earlier on the show, and from a betting perspective, makes me want to just play all these brain-dead money line parlays on these big favorites. There are so many teams, Joe that appear to have packed it in uh, right after the trade deadline, just basically you know, based on moves they made and just the performance on the field, whether it's the Diamondbacks, whether it's the Cubs, and these are all varying reasons, right? Um, you know, the Rangers playing so poorly. Uh, certainly the Tribe got crushed today. I wouldn't put them in that same category. But the Orioles, the Pirates, you get what I'm saying. The chasm between the haves and the have-nots has never been wider. It's reflected in the betting numbers. I mean, how bad is this for the state of baseball in the end?
8: Well, we saw this year more teams go to the fantasy strategy, the the, the keeper league strategy. of If a guy's not going to help me this year and he's going to be a free agent, just get something from him. I mean, the Cubs, the Nationals, teams are more aggressive about that. I think that's feeding into the gaps that we're seeing on the field. The Brewers beat the Cubs, what, 163 to 2 over the last four days? Just an <laughs> obliteration of the Cubs. Uh, but and, and as you say, it's and what is the the favorites are winning at an eighty percent clip since August first, something ridiculous. The the prices that might have been one sixty, you know, in two months ago are now two ten, two fifteen. Uh, it, it's a tough it's a tough place. I think we're going to see. My perception is that sharps kind of move away from baseball now and start to shift their focus to football where they can find edges. But you know, if they. If, favorites are going to win at 80% clip, you know, is there still going to be value betting baseball? I'm not sure, but it's definitely strange. I don't think it presents any kind of long-term issue, because I think what it is, is teams are adjusting to the idea that you have to get value, you know, if it's the Cubs, for Rizzo, for Schwarber, for anybody you're not going to retain. And that's something we've talked about, you know, in the static circles for years now. If you're not going to keep the guy, Having him on your roster for the last two months doesn't do you a whole lot, whereas the B prospect you might get for him could have value for you down the road. I think more and more teams are are executing that plan.
7: Joe, who would you include notably in that group? Gil and I were kind of speculating earlier on which teams were the fadiest of the fades.
8: I mean, you have to look at the Cubs right now. They actually released Arietta today after he got killed yesterday. Jeez. Um, you look at the Nationals. The Nationals some days, you know, are Juan Soto and what appears to be a pickup team from Northern Virginia. I mean, those, that, those are some ugly lineups they're running out there. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think, like, the Diamondbacks are more competitive. There. I mean, they had a lot of injuries and issues early in the year. I like some of the young talent. So as bad as they look on the field, I think they're a better team. I, mean, I should say I think they have better personnel than their record would indicate. I also look at the Rangers. Um, you know, Gibson obviously made them competitive. Uh, one time every five days, Ian Kennedy was good for them at the back of the bullpen. Without him, that bullpen starts to look shaky. Um, they couldn't score. I mean, they 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 pulled out a one-run game in Seattle this week, but they lost the other two. Only put up one run today against Marco Gonzalez. I think that's another team. I so I mentioned so the Cubs, the Nationals, the Rangers. I think that Orioles pitching staff is really starting to fall apart. We saw John Means get knocked around today. They're another team that could now be as bad as we expected them to be.
4: Joe Sheehan with a reference to the mean streets of Northern Virginia. Always love that, Joe. Appreciate that Uh, for those of us (laughs) from that part of the country. Um, Okay, let me ask you about this. By the way, Aaron Judge, three-run shot off Lance Lynn. Two-out, three-run shot, top of the third there in Dyersville, Iowa.
7: Yeah, good bet there. Uh, Lance Lynn giving up a pair of homers to Aaron Judge in his career coming in tonight. That is the third. There
4: you go. Uh, I'm sure the fantasy folks were all over that, putting Aaron uh, Judge in lineups tonight. Uh, Joe, last thing, and just we're sort of going ahead to the wild card game. That's what makes this so awesome. It's a, a one-off when we get there. And if the Dodgers are involved, who do they start? Do they start Cy Young contender Walker Bueller, or do they go with Max Scherzer?
8: If they get to choose... I think they would go with Scherzer because of his experience in big games. I think that's going to matter to Dave Roberts, who has stat head tendencies and also kind of still buys into a lot of the the older stuff. In the reality, though, it may come down to how does the season end? Are they trying to get to that playoffs? Are they trying to win the division? In the final couple of games, are they trying to win the home field advantage of the wild card? Do they have to use Scherzer or Bueller on rotation Saturday or Sunday before the wild card game? So uh, until I know this is a choice for them, I'm not really sure I'm worried about it too much. The the, the rotation and how it plays out at the end of the year probably dictates uh, the thing for them. I'll tell you, the Dodgers, though, the nice thing about them is that they go to the wild card game, typically the penalty is hey, you don't get to use your ace. Well, they basically have co-aces now. So whoever they have to start the wild card game, they're still getting Bueller in one in five in the division series, or they're getting Scherzer in one in five in the division series. As much as that trade helps them chase down the Giants, it will make a huge difference for them in the postseason.
7: So true, an embarrassment of riches. It absolutely is. Joe, you mentioned both the Dodgers and the Astros' as teams were kind of waiting for that switch to flip all the way and maybe get turned up to 11. Which do you think is the more likely of, of the two, to go there,
8: the Dodgers uh, just because the baseline talent level, the, that second tier talent level, is so good. I mean, the Dodgers' bench is probably better than the uh, the Rangers' lineup at this point. Uh, you know, the Astros will eventually get Bregman back. I think that's the thing they're waiting for. Kind of that, that will help their offense considerably. Uh, but the, the baseline talent level tells me it'll be the Giants. Although you mentioned the schedules are, are, are a big thing, the Astros are going to hit some stretch here where you know they play the Rangers and the Royals and the Orioles and um, and get to pile up a lot of wins. So. I think the Dodgers are the better choice, but if you factor in the schedule, the Astros are probably right there with them.
4: Joe Sheehan from the Joe Sheehan Baseball Newsletter. Joe, tell everybody how they can get that.
8: Check out JoeSheehan.com. You see everything I do. I've got a, a complete piece there from last week that I wrote about the, about six teams that are going to miss the playoffs. You get subscription information on there. There's also an email link, so if you want to ask me any questions, just go through that.
4: Thank you, Joe. We appreciate it. We'll talk soon.
8: Thanks, fellas. Take
4: care. Joe Sheehan, everybody. Uh, Joe underscore Sheehan on Twitter is where you can find him. Mac Jones in for Cam Newton. Taylor Heineke in for Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's where we stand in the uh, Patriots-Washington uh, football game. And uh, I have been glancing. We're obviously talking to Joe Sheehan at the Uh-oh. same time.
5: Watch what's coming, Gil, because I could see the future.
4: Oh. <laughs> oh, No. <laughs> But I was going to say Mac Jones looked pretty good. So this this is an attempted field goal, but I'm guessing some shenanigans might take place. Are there
7: shenanigans? Is there going to be tomfoolery in this preseason? Oh, here we go.
4: Lining up to kick a 50-yarder. The snap. The kick. Right down the pipe. Okay, never wow. mind. That's what you wanted
3: us That's to watch? What apparently, apparently,
5: apparently, we're having some issues on the look-ahead future uh, board here.
4: By the way, I saw a 3-2 to two score. That, <laughs> that, that, that would have been a shenanigan. That would have been fun. By the way, Norton drilled that. What a great kick that was from 50 right down the pipe. We'll come back. Uh, we'll update all the bets that we got going on. And then some rookie of the year odds in the NBA in tribute to Summer League. It's Vison's primetime action.
0: MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players redemption seekers and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars anyone can win relationships matter and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
4: Back on Vison's primetime action, live from the South Point. Gil Alexander, Adam Candy, Daniel Alvari, Kelly Bidlin. Uh, 3-1 Yankees over the Chicago White Sox in uh, in Dyersville, Iowa. The Field of Dreams game uh, in the bottom of the third, one down. White Sox taking their hacks uh, against Andrew Haney. And uh, Garrett Cole back talking in the dugout. He appears to look pretty good there, Adam, doesn't he?
7: Uh, that is a man who is clearly no longer COVID positive, and That's I'm right. very happy to see him back with the New York Yankees because they've, in that last series against the Royals, had multiple bullpen games thrown. And as much as I enjoy the mustache of Nestor Cortez, I do not need <laughs> to see him starting for the Yankees on a regular basis.
4: <laughs> Nestor Cortez. 12 uh, 3, the Reds beat the uh, Braves. That thing you see in your rearview mirror, San Diego Padres, is the Cincinnati Reds closing. Closing fast, uh, the Reds now are, what's that, 62 and 54. They are four games behind the Padres, so there's still, uh, still a little bit of distance. In football, uh, New England, with that Norton 50-yard field goal, which bisected the goalposts uh, and really would have been good from about 57, my uh, measure tape, uh, I put out the tape for that, uh, New England leads Washington 6 to 11-15 left in the second quarter. Mac Jones has looked pretty good from what I could tell. Have you taken a closer look at him, Kelly, while he was playing?
5: No, nah, I got Field of Dreams game over here, so I haven't really been able to take a close look. The, uh, we got an RBI double here, Adam.
7: That's Tim Anderson into what is just a large, large corner down in left field. That actually is part of the reason uh, – Part of the reason I didn't want to bet this game is weird things like this. That corner is enormous. Joey Gallo looked like he was going to have to go all the way into the corn to get that ball. And that allowed the runner to come around and score. So 3-2 now the score in favor of the Yankees.
5: Corn sweats over so live. So live. We're not getting are not getting bottom of the third. Live. Three to two. I know.
7: That corn is sweatier than Alex Mack.
4: 3-2 <laughs> Yankees. Uh, bottom of the third. One down. And uh, Adam, your Philadelphia Eagles bet looking really good with 937 left in the second 13 to nothing. Iagles.
7: Uh the magic of Joe Flacco is never to be doubted especially in week one of the preseason. Uh, actually he threw a screen pass to Quez Watkins who took it 79 yards and that's really what accounts for the main part of the difference here. Uh, Flacco six for eight
4: for 123 uh, largely on the strength of that touchdown pass your guy Mason Rudolph eight of nine for 77 for the uh, Steelers.
7: Oh I mean if there's a Mason Rudolph line to be had it is less than 10 yards per Completion that is very impressive. Yeah, Najee Harris two carries for ten yards,
4: uh, also a catch for Najee uh, for nine yards. So he's gotten uh, he's gotten some action in that game as well. And for the Eagles, uh, Jalen Hurts was uh, three of seven for fifty four. That uh, his is his stat line. What is
5: like the? I, I just pulled up this box score too. I, I got to find out what the time of possession difference is because it looks like nobody. Yeah, Steelers with more time in possession, ten forty-three to nine forty. And you look at that box score, and it looks like there's been uh, all the actions on the Eagles' side.
7: Uh, Kelly, if you want to know what's going on with Pittsburgh, you just need to look at what the Raiders have done the past few years because it's essentially the exact same thing. They control the ball and then never score. <laughs> that's, like, uh, that's exactly what's going on right now is that they're going to run Najee Harris. Mason Rudolph is going to throw horizontally, and that's going to be what they do tonight.
4: <laughs> East-West throwing. Mac Jones, by the way, 2 of 5 for 20 in the early going. I'm sure we'll see uh, quite a bit of Mac Jones tonight. Do your thing, Taylor Heineke. Oh, you don't want to face Taylor Heineke in a preseason game, I'll tell you that right now.
7: Or in a playoff game. Or in a playoff game.
4: Especially when he's hitting pylons. Danielle, has your game started or not yet?
6: No, it'll get underway in the next thirty minutes. It's on Amazon Prime, actually.
4: Oh, is um, it? And you were on a podcast. Would you like to share talking WNBA? Yeah,
6: with with our senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel, JVT, has yeah. a podcast, Hardwood Handicappers, and we were on there this afternoon talking about the WNBA.
4: That's awesome. Yeah. So, Hardwood Handicappers with Jonathan Von Tobel, Danielle Alvari, his guest, talking WNBA. Available. we all podcasts are distributed, as they as they say. Um, or maybe just I say. Um, so, and again, my tennis match has not started yet either. That's coming up a little later on tonight. Uh, Jesse Bagula against Danielle Collins. Um, it's a six-syllabler? Yeah, oh, no, okay. yes. That's based on the Daniel Alvari uh, syllable method. Right I should true. get the victory. <laughs> I should get the victory tonight. And somehow I overcame ten-syllable Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova last night.
6: Yeah, it's- I can't explain that one to you. <laughs>
7: Also, make sure you don't shorten it to Jesse. You need all three syllables from Jessica Pegula against Danny Collins.
4: <laughs> against Danny Collins, <laughs> Danielle, you don't like Danny, do you? You don't like that for you, do you?
6: I hate it. Yeah, but it's funny because I have a best friend named Danielle as well, and she goes by Danny. Do
4: you tell her you hate it? You hate Danny when yeah. you say it.
6: She's like, "That's fine. I claim it." She claims. it. Stay on your side.
4: Stay <laughs> <laughs> On your side. Uh, okay we'll come back and uh, we will look at NBA Rookie of the Year odds. Kenny White was on the show yesterday he talked about how he's handicapping summer league. Some of these uh some of these ball players are showing out as the kids say. We got rookie of the year odds to correspond. We'll look at those next. Feast is primetime action.
6: college football betting guide is here. Start your football season on the right foot with our expert analysis and picks for conference champions, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff teams. Plus, Power ratings for every team. Now is also a great time to get your all-access Vsin subscription, which includes our college and pro football betting guides, along with everything else we offer for the entire football season. Get your college betting guide for only 19.99, or start your free all-access trial today at vsencom slash subscribe. Gil.
4: Elo Jimenez, three-run shot. Why didn't we play the over? Why did we not play the corn sweat over? Five to three socks <laughs> the in, corn the th-
6: sweat over.
4: in the bottom of the third. <laughs> Uh, they're on pace for 24 runs this game. Socks up five to three now uh, in this one as they
7: go to the fourth. The, the guy holding the sound item down there, I don't know what the proper term for that dish is that he's holding, mm-hmm. is dressed in a button-down shirt and suspenders. They even got the sound guy into <laughs> the whole field dreams thing tonight. I don't
4: think Tom Verducci's getting enough airtime. They got to show him again. He was tremendous. Yeah, Is that everybody working the game? Wow. Th- those are not easy
5: jobs. If, I, if, if someone was like, you have to wear this, I'd be like, I'm not working that game. Okay.
7: Well, we already established you wouldn't go to the game to, if you had to walk through the corn. And Hell, now you wouldn't even wear the, the hat field. to work the game. I, I understand you're a diva. Coordinating producer, but come on!
6: I'm imagining Kelly now with like a camera bag, like carrying stuff. Lost I didn't in did the that, that for field. too many years, Danielle. You know how it is. Like I no. don't know where you are. <laughs> I'm literally in the cornfield. I'm not
5: wearing suspenders and a button-down or something, trying to shoot this game. These poor guys feeling for him now.
4: Kelly in the old Sox uniform is still the best image with the bat coming out of the cornfield.
5: Where's Uh, my With a big cigar. Chewed chewed
4: down cigar. (laughs) We
7: really missed an an opportunity for the intro of this show tonight to have all of us walking out of the cornfield, right? Yes.
4: Handlebar mustaches. Would have been awesome. Would have been awesome. All right, Danielle. Let's shift to the NBA, shall we?
6: Rookie of the Year. Love it. Rookie of the Year here. So Cade Cunningham, the first overall pick here is the favorite at plus 250. Jalen Green behind him at plus 275. Other Jalen, Jalen Suggs of Gonzaga, feeling a little too hot for his britches, as Kelly told us yesterday. He's at 7-1. to one. Evan Mobley, 8-1. to one. Alperon Senchun, or Sengun, is that correct, Adam Candy?
7: Uh, Sengun, 12-1.
6: 12-1. Scotty Barnes, also 12-1. to Davion Mitchell, 18-1. to James Booknight, 28-1. to Same with Kuminga on the Warriors now. Jalen Johnson 30 to 1, Josh Giddy 30 to 1, and Franz Wagner at 35 to 1 as well.
4: Uh, I, I, my initial reaction to this was I know who Kelly's betting, which uh, of course meant that I think Kelly was betting Jalen Green at plus 275. But Kelly, you said you were hoping for a better number when you went there? Yeah,
5: I went to go bet this last night finally because we've been talking about it the past couple of days. This kid's incredible. It's, uh, we're, we're in the. 831 left in the second quarter of their game against the Raptors right now. He's already got eight points, uh two rebounds. He he he's one of my favorite uh like the in the uh just pure score type of a of a J.R. Smith or a Lou Williams. The the assist numbers don't go very high. <laughs> it's just he's taking all these shots, but man, he has been smooth. Those yeah, I went to go bet it last night, Gil, those oddsmen, cut short, short, short. He's the guy that everybody's betting right now, as they should be. Um, I might still bet it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna see the rest of the Summer League play out here. I doubt two seventy-five, I doubt you're not gonna be able to be be able to get that in a week or
4: two still. Um The consensus revelation of Summer League thus far though has been his teammate, Albert yes. and Sangoon. Uh, who people did not expect to see this kind of game from him. He's 12 to one. Might that be something you'd be interested in? That is the one that
5: from everybody that, and we haven't gotten a chance to get out to summer league yet, but everybody that I have seen reporting, covering it consensus, he has been the most impressive guy at summer league so far, uh, which I found interesting. Like you said, we really didn't think we were going to see a ton of him. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I won the, I'm not jumping at betting yet, but wouldn't be, you know, if if, if people want to go that way, wouldn't shock me at all. Again, that is the guy that I've read the most about this entire summer league is really him and how impressive he's been. But whenever we talk rookie of the year, usually always talk scores. And scoring, when I'm looking at scoring, it is going to be those top two names are probably going to do the most scoring this year. I'm also very interested in Jalen Suggs. We loved him coming out of Gonzaga, uh, a much more – uh, a player who can play both sides of the ball much uh, much better than the other two, a great defender, great perimeter defender, but made those comments the other day about how he felt like he, his offensive game was held back at Gonzaga, and the idea of that heading into the NBA... Oh,
6: I hope that's a, not what he meant. I hope that's not what I he meant. I take him
4: at his word.
5: I take him at his word. I think yeah. that Gonzaga team was, pat, like, was packed with people. I, I, I don't... I believe that. Now he's going to go to a Magic team that's had got nothing going on for itself, so I, I have a feel... I might end up with bets on Jalen Green and Jalen and Suggs in this market. I, I really like both of them.
7: Mr. Candy? Only thing I would caution with all of this is make sure you know where the opportunity is for these players. As Kelly just talked about, there's nothing going on in Orlando, the both uh, Suggs and Franz Wagner are going to get plenty of run down in Orlando, but there are three guys on this board. You look at bug Knight and Kaminga and Jalen Johnson and realize that those are contending teams and the minutes are probably not going to be there for any of those guys to be able to show out. So, you know, Hornets, Warriors, Hawks should all be at least competitive this year.
4: Yeah, Kaminga especially, right?
8: Like, yeah.
7: just what's the path for him?
5: No, and the great, great point by Adam. And there's yeah. no, like, another name you and I have talked a lot about on here, Gil, Davion Mitchell, yes. who's at, he's another guy who's had a heck of a summer league, but kind of same thing. He'll get the minutes. But Sacramento's got to figure out how that backcourt's exactly going to work there because he really is, as of right now, kind of the third guy. So how are they going to do that rotation? He'll definitely get more minutes but same kind of thing is where i would stay away from him right
7: now well to that point kelly he's not going to have the ball in his hands no matter what now davion mitchell is going to be a complimentary player he's going to play off ball he's not bringing the ball up and you're going to see plenty of time for the top three guys on this board with them handling the ball
4: and and there was nobody i liked coming out of the tournament more than davion mitchell of, of baylor but and this is no offense to the good people of sacramento but that's a tough franchise from which to overcome any east coast bias in award voting if you indeed believe that that exists. Perhaps we saw East Coast bias in the uh, coach of the year not taking anything away from Coach Tibbs, but that was a three-man race that... uh... I think if there isn't a little bit of that, maybe Tibbs doesn't win it this past year. So it's going to be tough for Davion Mitchell, certainly playing for the Sacramento Kings and for all the reasons you stated. The ball will not go through him there in Sacramento. But Kaminga might not even be the best rookie on his team when all is said and done. I don't know. With Moses Moody there in uh, Golden State as well. Josh Giddy, the Australian, with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Man, he looks like he's 16. Have you watched him play? Yes. And it's like I'm like, what is this 15 year old doing on the court? <laughs> well,
5: he's, he's been pretty good though.
4: I, I actually think at these numbers though, Suggs at seven to one, goon 12 to one, and we don't want to we don't forget about Evan Mobley. Who we haven't even mentioned right eight to one. Yeah, he could he could be the guy after all is said when all is said and done. Pac 12 Player yep. of the Year, Evan Mobley. Um, interesting market. I'm glad it's up. Good for DraftKings. Wish we could bet these things here in the state of Nevada. Uh, we'll come back, among other things, we'll talk to Chris Felika, the Bear, at the top of the hour for ESPN's College Game Day, Big 12 football with him. And next, though, World Series exactas, exact matchups in the World Series, the odds that pertain to them. Beeson's primetime action.
9: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
10: From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday...
4: Welcome back to Visa's Primetime Action, live from the South Point. Glad you could hang with us tonight. Gil Alexander, Adam Candy, in for Matt Brown, Daniel Alvar, Kelly Bidlin, uh, watching some preseason football, watching the uh, Field of Dreams game there in Dyersville, Iowa, and uh, looking at some bets that we can possibly make as Taylor Heineke throws one over the middle. By the way, Patriots up on the... Uh, Washington football team six to nothing in the uh with a two minute warning upon us now in that ballgame. Uh Danielle, you have some really interesting baseball exactas, and they're not just matchups, they're exact who beats who, correct?
6: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For the World Series. I mean we're watching this field of dreams game, and it just made us think, what about the World Series this year. So, true exact is because it is which two teams will make it and who will win, mm-hmm. right? So, the shortest shot here is the Dodgers to beat the Astros in the World Series 10 to 1. The next uh, shortest here, Astros to beat the Dodgers 11 to 1, or Astros to beat the Brewers also 11 to 1. Then from there, we have the White Sox to beat the Dodgers 14 to 1. We have Dodgers on here again to beat the Rays 22 to 1, Rays to beat the Dodgers 22 to 1. Lots of Dodgers action going on on this board. Um anything that jumps out to you initially?
4: Well, the first thing that jumps out to me is that the the best record in baseball, the San Francisco Giants, the shortest shot that involves them is the Giants to beat the Astros at 30 to 1. So that is a, a market reflection of folks really not thinking that the Giants pitching. Yeah, the Giants pitching doesn't stack up really. Starting pitching doesn't stack up in the postseason, which I don't disagree with, by the way. As much as I believe... Oh, by the way, Astros to beat Giants is also 30-1. to 1. Um, But what would be... Uh, first of all, I do think Dodgers to beat Astros and Astros to beat Dodgers ought to be the short shots. Let me just get that out of the way. But Adam, where would you go with a bet here? How creative would you get?
7: Well, I think it's a matter of figuring out who do you like in a short series, right? I would look at who I like right now. Who's playing the best right now? I look at who lines up the best for the playoffs? And... When I look at teams that I like in the playoffs, again, you heard me bang this drum before the season, Gil. I'm going to bang it again. Bang it. The Milwaukee Brewers are set up as well as any team in baseball for the postseason. When they throw Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta at you as a one, two, three, you are going to have a great starter in every game. Frankly, you're going to have as good of a situation as the Dodgers have with their starters every time out. And so I would be looking at the Brewers uh, in some of these matchups. Um, strange not to see uh Dodgers to beat the White Sox on that board because uh, that would be one that I would be interested in as well because I think the White Sox
5: I
4: missed it.
7: Okay. That's
5: <laughs> on me
4: 14. The reason that's funny I, to me is cuz cuz Kelly Kelly already lamented in the break that these were not just the teams that were that are in contention. Every team in baseball had an exact outcome. They have outcome. every
5: matchup possible combination possibility listed at Ben MGM right now. So, yes, it was a lot to sort through. And before Adam just said that, I'm like, I clearly miss Dodgers beating White Sox on here. So, yeah, that is 14 to 14-1. All right.
7: So that, that gets you that number, Kelly. Uh, Gil, the one team, and tell me what you think about this. Mm-hmm. The one team I don't want any part of in any of these futures is the Rays. Ooh. I do not believe that the Rays, to me, feel like – once you start to tax that bullpen throughout the course of the playoffs, it becomes less effective over time. Do you believe that the Rays should be uh, as short as they are in some of these spots? That's an
4: interesting point because the Rays obviously got to the World Series last year, but they did so with much bigger names in their starting rotation, right? So the Teflon thing this year, where they're still, uh, you know, still sporting the best record in the American League, but. Uh, Tyler Glass now with Tommy John surgery. Charlie Morton ends up with the Braves. Snell ends up in a trade with the Padres. So they don't have that kind of stuff at the top of the rotation. And you think in the postseason that will finally come back to harm them
7: well keep in mind that last year it was a little bit more harmful because of the structure of the postseason because of the fact that without travel uh they were forced to play more regularly there will be some more days built in this year that being said it is the fact that you have taken all three of those starters out they they could hide that bullpen a little bit more last year because you at least would get two turns out of the rotation of uh two turns of the lineup i should say out of the rotation guys this year Take a look at who they're starting. They do not have a legitimate starting pitcher at all. They traded Rich Hill, who was the only starting pitcher they had. Everyone else they're starting is a two- to three-inning guy. Ryan Yarbrough Andrew Kittredge uh, have been getting the bulk of those. So, uh, McClanahan as well. So, I don't see it with... uh, With the Rays, that being said, uh, you're banking on a lot of young arms with the Astros to do the job. There's not a lot of proven commodity in that rotation outside of Zach Greinke, who obviously is not a pitcher who is really well built for the postseason.
4: I say this is a guy who has a Dodgers future from, you know, March that I just got and said, I'm going to put it in the account. I'm just going to forget about it till October, which is about a plus three, just a little south of four to one. Where is the Brewers to beat the White Sox, Kelly? What is
7: that number? Because I don't see that listed. White Sox, another team very well built for the postseason.
4: Yeah, and now, of course, with Craig Kimbrell at the back end, here's a long fly ball, deep right field, into the cornfield, gone. A two-run shot for the White Sox, 7-3. to Uh, Uh, Sebi Sebi Zavala. Sebi Zavala, who hit the three homers that one day? Over's good. Over is, well, It's if you have the 10, it's a push now. But uh, if you have the nine and a half, yeah, over is good. Uh,
7: and we're in the fourth. And uh, for your betting purposes for the remainder of the season, uh, Andrew Heaney here in the bottom of the fourth of his third start with the New York Yankees, now up to eight home runs allowed.
4: In the last 13 13- and in two-thirds innings pitched, is that what that said? Thirteen and two-thirds The sad
7: part innings. is Fox flashed that, and I already knew it in my head as a Yankees fan because yeah. I've watched all three of those starts and thought to myself, huh, Hal Steinbrenner didn't want to go over the luxury tax, huh? Yeah. So so Barrios goes to Toronto and Andrew Heaney comes to New York. The thing about Andrew
4: Heaney, now we're going to get to, like, nerdy baseball here, but here's the thing about Andrew Heaney when the Yankees picked him up, for those who, you know, are nerds about baseball and know pretty much everything about every pitcher, go, he, his thing is he has a good K rate, Right. Um, that, and a lot of people get really enamored by a good K rate, but he's not a, he's not a lefty that has a particularly good, uh, you know, good numbers against lefties, which is the first thing you would look for. That's really not a forte of his. Like, it's not really off the chart numbers. So there really isn't much in his profile beyond a good K rate. And so I'm really not sure why they were so keen on, attract, on uh, acquiring him.
7: Uh, yeah, I, I am not either uh, yeah. and the, I said before the game in terms of my handicap for this game Lance Lynn 204 ERA Xpip fip uh, expected uh, fielding independent pitching of 383 Andrew Heaney is the exact opposite he has a 545 ERA and a 391 Xpip so yeah. if you're the Yankees front office and you're trying to take a wild card flyer sure Go ahead on that guy. But the fact that he's pitching meaningful games for them in this uh, playoff race, they really need to get healthy. Of course, Cole has been out. Montgomery has been out. Hermann has been out. Uh, Andrew Heaney should find himself a warm spot in the bullpen as soon as those guys are healthy. A warm, warm spot in the bullpen.
5: Brewers
4: beat White Sox 40 to 1. 40 to
7: 1. Whoa. Brewers to beat the White really? Sox 40 to 1. Okay, that's, that's by far the most attractive number I've heard so far.
4: White Sox to beat Brewers, by the way, 66 to 1, I believe I see. 66 to 1 on that. No, no that's also 40 to 1. Sorry, pardon me. I looked at that. Both, both White Sox to beat Brewers and Brewers to beat White Sox. Both are 40 to 1. Pardon me. So you like that.
7: I, look, uh, these are teams that I think are built for the postseason. I just talked about why I think the Brewers are built for success in the postseason better than they have been in any past year. Because in the past, Gil, the question has been the pitching. With the Brewers, Mm -hmm. the question has been, how is Craig Council going to put things together? I mean, doing things like starting Wade Miley for one batter before going to the bullpen. That's not a problem for them this year. And their offense has come around. Willie Adamas has been great for them, sparked them and kind of given them a little bit of life uh, in that dugout. And so I like them. And on the other side, look, you don't need to look past the lineup for the White Sox. But if you do, assuming Rodone comes back healthy to be able to go Lance Lynn, Rodone and Giolito as your top three with the back of that bullpen, as you mentioned, with Kimbrell and Hendricks able to shut anything down to about a seven plus inning game. The White Sox are as dangerous as anybody in the playoffs.
4: I agree. Uh, If you have a first half money line way, Major in this ball game, and in fact for that matter maybe even a first-half ATS uh, bet depending on where you got the number but Taylor Haneke hit uh, hit uh, Washington rookie Jarrett Patterson for a uh, first and goal on a third and long and now with 16 seconds left in the half they are trying to see on replay here if Patterson I believe that's Patterson in that pile got the ball over the goal line for Washington Currently, he did not. Patriots 6, Washington nothing. Call it 18 seconds left now after the timeout. Second and goal. Heineke under center. He drops back, fakes the uh, handoff, scrambles to his right, flushed out, and that is a touchdown. Was that a touchdown? No, incomplete.
7: bounce, but they do have one more down
4: here, yeah, third and goal. Third and goal, 13 seconds left, intended for uh, Hemingway. Um, he could have hit him right away. He, yeah, that He was like,
5: opening that flat right away. Yeah. Then he went back
4: to him. So 13 seconds left. This is obviously a play to determine the uh, one would imagine the money line here. Otherwise, Washington will probably attempt a field goal here. 13 seconds left. Third and goal. Uh, Exciting. Week one preseason football with a bet on the line. Heineke under center. Here we go. This is exciting. For those who have bets on this, they're going to try to run it in. And they get there. That looks like
7: six points. I believe they do get there. There you go. But of course.
4: i to get through the extra point here. (laughs) Subject to replay. Um, Get the license plate on uh, who carried that football. I could not tell. Uh, But it looks like Washington is in, subject to replay. So 40 to 1. We say White Sox, Brewers, either. uh, Brewers beat White Sox is how I would go, 40 to 1. But White Sox, Brewers, also the same number.
7: No, I don't mind that combination at all. And for those who are saying, well, wait a second. You've been talking up the Giants. Why aren't you talking about the Giants? In part because this team, I don't think, is built the exact same yeah. way in uh, with that starting pitching as some of these others are. Uh, Kevin Gosman has been outstanding. Uh, behind him, it is question marks in terms of postseason success.
4: It is the reason why I recommended a Giants to make the playoffs bet at 8-1 to one before the season on this show, but did not get friskier beyond that for the exact same reason uh, that you just mentioned. Pretty interesting, though. Giants to beat the Yankees just there at the bottom of the screen, 80-1. to one. Just want to point that out, just in case. 6-6, six six, petting the extra point there in Foxborough. In the rain, by the way, in Foxborough. We'll come back. Chris Malika, the bear from ESPN's College Game Day, talking Big 12 football with us next on VEASAN's Primetime Action. <laughs>